Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today, today we're joined by the wonderful Everett Osborne, who is the lead actor in the film Sweetwater. Um, and in starting to talk about Sweetwater and Nat Clifton, you know, who was one of the first Black NBA players in the system, um, I wanted to ask a little bit about what your research process was, like, once you were cast in this film, because there's obviously a huge weight and responsibility that comes with portraying someone real, and what were the aspects to you that were really important to capture and get right that really reflected who he was as a person and where did you feel like you could also give yourself some, some space for artistic license in portraying him as well? Yeah, well, great question. As you know, one of the golden rules is to always tell the truth, right? So in this artistry, that's the first thing I, I hang my hat on. And it is a real human being <laughs> that I knew nothing about and having a basketball background, I didn't know who the first African-American to sign an NBA contract was. So just the process to answer your question was just doing research. I mean, when you actually have a tangible human being, um, there's some perks you, should, you can go hit Google up, read, do whatever you can just to actually research the character of the human being to understand them a little bit more. And it just started there. So I found a couple of videos of him as he was older. I saw a couple of snippets of him actually playing for the Knicks and the Harlem Globetrotters. And I maybe like see a three or four second clip, pause that, just to get an understanding of his human behavior, how he responded to certain moments, how he interacted with his teammates, and just use that as like a, a tunnel to kind of dissect and, and, and deep dive. And you're mentioning there that some of that was how he interacted with his teammates. And there's there's various scenes in the movie where we get to see him when he's in the Harlem Globetrotters and how he interacts with that team and then how he steps into the, the Knicks for the first time, you know, being the newest player in the room. And so when you were when you were studying those particular moments, what did you really take from his interactions with his teammates that you wanted to bring into the movie? I mean, just um, he was so about the other. You know, he's so about the we. He's a true leader, a true humanitarian, a server. I mean, he served in the army, right? So he fought for freedom. He fought for justice. He fought for all human rights. And you see that in him clearly that he didn't care about the color of your skin. I mean, once you go to war, it equalizes you. Once you see someone of opposite color, then you bleed and you have to fight and pick that person up for a deeper value than what's extrinsic. Um, it takes you to a different place as a human being. It opens up the love. So the love he had, for people and justice for everyone. And, and it was something I want to pour into this. And, and it's also seeing how he cared about being able to maximize potential. Um, it's almost like he had an understanding that even though the, the culture and life didn't really show examples that there was a deeper meaning or a deeper, uh, I guess, path for you, he always felt like there was purpose um, beyond what was displayed. And he, all, he also inspired others to push towards that purpose and look deeper than what the world is trying to give you, right? Is there something deeper inside of us that all of us um, have to offer? And that's something I wanted to bring and something I saw that was in his heart and his mind and spirit. And I think it's something that, that's lived on and has influenced the game even to this day, so. And with the fact that you're coming into this role, having played <clears throat> basketball professionally yourself and really understanding the sport, but also looking at it in terms of how the sport has grown and evolved over the last few decades. What were some of the specifics that came into looking at how the game was at the time that you're portraying it in the movie against the way the game is now and, and has been for you as a player? I mean, well, that's the tricky thing, right? I mean, you, you feel like you play basketball. So, hey, someone else is playing basketball. It's easy. Let me play. I'm being a basketball player. I can do this. 
But one of the first things is, I mean, as the actor, it starts with stillness, right? I have to start in a place of stillness so I don't bring over any tendencies. Um, and I can really absorb and step into a world that's not my own. Even if it's a game that I've loved and I've cherished and put a lot of time in, I have to still surrender that aspect and knowledge of whatever I thought to step into a whole new world. And that was very fun for me. Um, obviously, just the innate fire for the game and passion to just play and have fun was something I was easily able to translate, right? But the nature, how how they walked, how they moved, the shoes they played in, how they dribbled, how they passed, the, the meaning of the game. The NBA today, where players are getting paid over $100 million, is not the NBA back then when they're barely making money and the league was barely even had a reputable reputation. It wasn't the MLB. No one really cared about the NBA. I mean, the Harlem Globetrotters had to play the game first because the world knew about them. And then the NBA would take their fans, keep them there, and then play right after them just so they can have some fans in that same arena, right? So it was a different style of game. Um, the, so the game was being played not so much for publicity. It was more intrinsic, right? It was actually for um, this is our moment as African-Americans, right? This is our moment to show that we're equal. This is our moment of truth to be neck and neck with the best players in the world and still bring value to this country. I mean, post Great Depression, every human being was seeking how to bring value as a human being, right? In post-war, you come back, you're trying to figure out what can I do to serve and, and, and you don't want that to be mocked at all. So making that transition from the Globetrotters to the Knicks was very important. And me just seeing that and, that, and understanding the meaning of the game and, and the importance of it, it was bigger than what it is now, uh, way more. I mean, it's way the value was bigger than money. Um, so that was one of the main things, too, that I was able to relate to, notice the difference in, and just step into that world. That's so fascinating. And even just, you know, you know, within the film, there's there's threads and there's elements in the story that speak to Sweetwater having his own personal style in playing as well. And even there's a flashback scene in the script about, you know, him kind of being told, no, you need to play like everybody else. And, and so that's one of the ongoing threads is it's not even just about the style of the game. It's also about his specific style as a player. And so when you were looking at some of that video footage that you were mentioning before, what were some of the, the specifics of what you really saw in his specific style, what it was that he was bringing into the game that was so unique? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just, I got a smile on my face just thinking about it. I mean, to, to go through some, an extent of oppression during that time period, but still put on shorts and a Jersey um, that was red, white, and blue, right? And, and have so much elegance and style and flair. I mean, developing the finger roll, uh, his ability, alley-oop. I mean, there's, there's footage of people never seen him throwing the ball off the backboard and dunking it. I mean, the athleticism and the style, the passing. I mean, just seeing how he moved gracefully on the court despite going through things that weren't so graceful in his, in his actual life. And then even him translating to New York in a big city, right, where... I mean, the first person that's ever scored an NBA basket was for the New York Knicks, right, in like 1946 when they started the league. So, I mean, it's a great place for history. And to see him step over there and then lead and inspire other people to teach them how to play the same way. And honestly, it was less about him teaching them. I mean, we're all human beings, right? I mean, human nature is interdependent. We all need each other, right? One of the biggest human acts is to inspire. So just by having one person reach their full potential, someone else may get inspired by that and want to do the same. So just by him playing with the finger roll, with the gracefulness, with the with the fluid motion, that inspired his other teammates to do the same. And then the game changed that way because, hey, we see someone 
revolutionizing something. It looks fun, right? He had fun playing it. It wasn't just cookie cutter. It was more fun. It was more expressive. Even during that time, jazz music changed, right? It, it became less of just the, the cookie cutter to each person having their solo. So all that tied into that style of play. And, and what was your process of really infiltrating and absorbing that into yourself? Did you did you have a lot of time to spend in pre-production to really kind of just be on the court and to kind of like be be using the ball and, and shooting and, and trying to really just absorb his particular style? Or did you kind of step straight into scenes and really just find it and feel it? I mean, I think I had like two weeks to prepare for the film. <laughs> um, so a lot of this is discovery, right? Um, you find some facts, you find some some keys of the essence of the human being, uh, the, the truth of what's going on in the environment, and you sink in and then you discover that as you go. Um, you have a great team around you, great director, great team, cinematographers, and Martin, Martin Gigi, right? And then we also had Massimo, I mean, a great team to help find that space. But truly for me, it was just hanging my hat on a couple of things that I knew for him and just sitting with it. Not, I go back to stillness, right? Not trying to infiltrate my own preconceived notions, just sitting with a behavior, even if it's one small behavior. And from that, you find so much. I mean, the universal stems from the specific, right? So just by that um, is was part of just the insight of my process a little bit of how I discovered and found a lot of nuances and truths to, to Sweetwater. And then you got to think, I mean, no one really see, saw him as a human being around 26, 27, 28 years old. You can look up footage and see him talking it when he's like later in his 50s, 60s, right? So there was some creative um, liberty that I had, but I also had to be specific with it. So I used some some facts, I used some some movements, and then I also took the creative liberty and uh, found some some nice things in it. Right, because it's it's interesting with with what you're saying about a lot of the footage of him talking being from later years when he wasn't playing. Um, and so how would you kind of look at the way that he talked and the way that he moved and think about, well, if this is how he's talking and moving a few, you know, a few decades after this time period, what do I think he would have talked and moved like at that particular time? Because you're playing him at a younger age than most of the footage that was available. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very great point. I mean, the beautiful thing about, um, Nathaniel Sweetwater Clifton is that when he talked in these older videos that I saw of him driving in the cab. He did reminisce um, about that time period. And through the language, you can kind of find where his frame of thought was or, or how he felt about certain things. And then that kind of gave me some insight about, I mean, even knowing that he wanted to drive the cab, he started driving the cab while he was playing professional basketball. I mean, he was only playing four and a half months out of the year. So the other seven and a half months, he's driving a cab. And his reason for that was it was freedom. He was able to hop in the cab, have his arm out the window, drive, pick up another human being, interact with someone, right? Go to different cities. So it just shows you the mentality of this person during that time. To even why did they choose that job during that time of their life, right? So a lot of different things can inform you if you pay attention. I mean, we're, we're all, I don't want to say we're the same human beings, but we do grow and change, but we do have a similar essence to us. And if you focus on that, you'll find some truth. And you were mentioning before Martin Gigi, who's the director of this film, and, and especially with what you were saying about only having a couple weeks of, of preparation, what was the, the dynamic and collaboration that developed between the two of you? Because obviously, when there's not very much time, you have to be able to be so in sync and really share the same creative vision for who this character is going to be on screen and, and dive into filming scenes incredibly quickly. 
Oh, Martin, Martin is an all-star. He's a rock star, all-star, all of the above. I mean, he's been working on the script for 26 years. Him, I mean, his, his beautiful wife, Dolly, I mean, they, they've been working on this. He's done research. He's went to the NBA vault, right, and found all this information, picked up yellow pages before Google was a thing and cold called Earl Lloyd and all these people. So uh, because he had that passion and that love and that drive beyond the physical for this human being, for this truth of the game of basketball and world history, because he already had that, um, I was able to connect with that on from a spiritual level. It was like we almost had like a soulful connection uh, just for the love of the game and the love of human of human nature. Just just that as a whole. As Martin had that. And he brought that calmness and peace and truth aspect from the beginning. I mean, he I never forget. I went to Warner Brothers. I did the first audition at my house. Right. From the from the little Zoom, the self tape in. Then I get a call two weeks later. Hey, come up to Warner Brothers. So then when I did that Warner in front of him, I mean, I think he hit me up on Facebook the same day. Like, hey, you booked it right. But that just shows who he is. He wanted to just have that connection. He had to find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm rarely on Facebook. <laughs> and he just had to find me and let me know, right? That's just who he is as the director, wanting that personal connection, a beautiful heart, beautiful human being. So when you have someone moving in love, I mean, it's limitless. I mean, of course, structurally, you want to get everything, everything right as far as the film, but the work was done before. We connected from a real way. We understood thematically what we wanted to do, what the film was about. And we just went in with love and we figured it out along the way. That's so wonderful. And 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 also going back to something you were touching upon a little bit before about that idea of stillness as, a, as an actor. There's there's certain scenes in the film where he's not able to vocalize what he's feeling. You know, if you take the scene where the team <clears throat> have pulled up at a gas station and he's the one out there about to fill up the gas pump and the guy who owns the place pulls a gun on him and he can't verbally retaliate because of the situation that he's in. And there's a lot of those instances within the film where it very much relies on the internalized aspects of your character really holding so much inside. And so what was the dynamic for you in, in going into a lot of those scenes where it was much more about the internalized aspect and the stillness that you were mentioning before? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was very much so a subtextual journey to this, right? I mean, during this time, you can't just speak back all the time, even though Sweetwater did have moments where he fought back, right? Um, in those moments that you mentioned, you can't, you have to have a level of stillness. You have to have, and be, you have to be grounded in an aspect of yourself that's beyond the physical, right? Beyond the typical um, disrespect uh, that you may feel as a human being, you have to look beyond that for the greater good. So I think that was the biggest thing. Like, just to bring it back, I told you Sweetwater was about the we. So even if he had to suffer, even if he had to endure just a moment of oppression, right? For for a life, for a lifespan of freedom for the other, that's what he would do. He did that in that moment. He did that for us to this day. Right. I mean, the game of basketball is being played. It's inspired billions of people across all countries. Um, from a human being like Sweetwater, from him, right? He took that hit so other people uh, didn't have to. And so that's something that grounded me in those moments and just living in it, honestly, I can't really speak on it from the outside looking in when you're living in it, but the truth is that's the, that's the essence of the human being. Someone that's about the we, they'll endure to the end for the greater good. 
And when you're playing the scene in the film as well, where he he finds out from his coach, Abe, that he has been drafted and his, his contract's been bought out on the Harlem Globetrotters and that he has been drafted into the Knicks. You know, he's on the bus with all of his teammates and it feels like a moment of achievement, accomplishment, excitement, but also it is also a moment of leaving behind his teammates and people that he has a really close bond with, which also you feel in that scene in that moment as well. And so for you, what what were those myriad of emotions that felt important to capture in a scene like that where it is it's it's a jubilation but there's also something that he's leaving behind to pursue what he wants well i mean you hit on the head there is a myriad of, mo- of emotions right a plethora of emotions i mean the human diaspora we experience so much in one moment it's not oh happy oh sad right so in this moment you can't play it as if he knows he's about to be the first african-american to sign an nba contract he I mean, and the NBA then was in the NBA now, like I said. So in that moment, it's not about what it sounds like. It's about what it is. The truth is we're leaving our brothers behind. I'm leaving someone that I've slept in buses with, right? You're leaving people that you've just developed true bonds with, you shared secrets with, uh, that you struggled with, that you've starved with, that you've tasted defeat and triumph with. So how do you do that? And are you leaving them behind? Uh, you're going to a better place, but is it better? I mean, you're, you're stepping into an unknown and there's always fear in the unknown, but that is the beauty of life, right? To, to have that opportunity to experience the unknown. See, when you're, when you're behind, when you're enslaved to some degree or oppressed to some degree or caught in the same cycle or system that life is presented, you can never tap into the unknown. So you never really get to fully experience the, the beauty of life. So those were aspects that was important to bring into that moment. I mean, yeah, we're leaving behind certain things and people that we care about, almost a piece of ourselves, right? There is a metamorphosis that's going on, but then we're also stepping into the unknown um, and we're gonna see what happens. I mean, we do know that Jackie Robinson a couple of years before just did the same thing. So it's not like we haven't seen it done before, but it's like, did you ever think it was gonna be you? I mean, so you're processing all of these things. Um, and that was important to, for me to bring in that moment. And and with what you're saying there about a lot of the emotional facets and that connectivity with teammates and, you know, being an athlete, obviously we were talking before about the, the physical aspects as a player of what you were able to bring into the film. But I imagine that there's so many emotional aspects that you really were able to tap into and understand on such a granular level in terms of this character, even just the idea of you know, having played on a team and then moved to a different team and and knowing what it's like to leave behind people that you've had to build such a level of trust and such a bond with. And so what were some of those emotional facets of your own experience that you felt like you were really able to channel into this role? Well, I mean, I, I've, I've played, I've played, I've lived in Australia, right? I've lived in Australia. I've left family behind that probably, could have used my attention <laughs> uh, while I while I was still here in Los Angeles home. Uh, but you have to kind of step forward because life purpose is calling you to a bigger space. I felt that before. Um, I've, in my own life, I've had to leave things that I've loved behind. Right. I, I've had to even when I from playing professional basketball and COVID hit. I'm forced, I was forced out of Australia, forced to come home to Los Angeles. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? Right. I mean, I've been acting since the age of four, but I've also been pursuing basketball. So that was my main focus. But once COVID hit and I could no longer play basketball, a part of myself, 
I felt like was left behind. I didn't know what to do. And I, and I was shut out from the game that I've loved. But in that space, I found true purpose. I had to surrender that aspect of me that I've worked so hard for, my dreams of playing and doing this. I had to surrender that and create space for myself to step into the unknown. And lo and behold, I found my purpose has been waiting all along, being an artist, being an actor. And I stepped into that freely and full of love and full of grief, right? Full of fear a little bit, but full of excitement of what's to come. Because we've known that this past that we've worked so hard for, that we've endured so much hardship for, has prepared us for this moment. And when you're faced with that, I mean, true healing comes from intimacy with self, right? So you have to be intimate with yourself. You have to have quiet moments to where you're really thinking about life and what do you want to do and what do you want to be in. And I've, I've faced those. I've faced those hard moments with myself that led me to a metamorphosis that I talked about of stepping into true purpose, right? So, I mean... The through line is there's always a deeper purpose. And through that, you have to leave certain things behind, but it's not like a dead stop. Everything inspires the next step. So that, that's the way I kind of translate it and something I was able to lean in with myself. I really, really love that sentiment and everything that you're saying there. And, um, you know, in in the final moments of, of the film where we're getting to see that first game that he plays for the NBA and, um, you know, I was like giving away a spoiler, but seeing victory <laughs> at the end of that game, uh, Obviously, uh, when uh, when you're going into a scene like that, there's there's certain moves and there's certain beats and and there's I imagine a lot of choreography that goes into okay, how do we actually want this to play out? What are the moves going to be? What is that final goal going to look like on the court? Um, and so, how did you and and Martin and the rest of the team really figure out the choreography of what that scene needed in that moment? I mean, to be honest, a lot of it was moment to moment capture, right? Of just I want to say half of it was just free flowing and allowing what to happen just to create like just the, in, in the moment staying present. And then some of it was actually planned. Right. So we planned certain plays that were going to happen, uh, but how we were going to convert. You may not know how the score was going to happen. You may not know how, but the plan was to create the play, create the structure, create some type of specific thing we could focus on and use that as an opportunity to create from infinite abundance. And that's really how it happened in that moment. I mean, as you know, how things are written is and how it's always filmed. So it's written differently. Uh, but once you're in that moment, you have to stay present. And we found a lot of key magical moments. I mean, we had a, there's a lot of magic in that film that you can't even make up. I mean, certain baskets, certain moments with people. It was just magic that happened on the court, off the court, through interactions. I mean, it was a lot of magic that happened. And when you notice there's special moments like that in history, just kind of funny. You kind of have to give space for it. That's so great. And, you know, since making this film, I believe was, it was the first time that you're leading a feature film in this sort of scope. And, and so what are the elements of that, that you feel you really want to carry through from this experience onto the next projects that you move forward and do as an actor? Yeah, well, there's responsibility. I mean, leading a film sounds good, right? It sounds cool. But the truth is, as in any position in this industry, and this artistry, there's a responsibility. I mean, film is forever. Every aspect of this is important. I mean, from the number one on the call sheet to number 100, everybody plays a role. And understanding that, uh, just because in leading the film, still cleaning up, picking up trash, <laughs> still being a human being and, and helping the greater good, I think that's what it's about. I mean, bringing it back to Sweetwater, just having the heart to serve, right? True leadership is of service. It starts there first. 
So, I mean, that's something I want to continually bring to every project, every film, every set, every meeting, every moment, uh, just that awareness of the other and seeing yourself in the other. Um, and I think that's just something that I, I learned from that moment. We I mean, had a great cast, Carrie Elwes, Kevin Pollack, right? Jeremy Piven, Richard Dreyfus, And each one of these guys that I mentioned was so much about the other. I mean, so, and it all stemmed from Martin Gigi. I mean, it was a, a total effort, Martin Gigi, me. I mean, we all came in with that love and about the other person and that just trickled down to everyone. So that's something that I always cherish. I mean, we're doing a beautiful thing. I mean, we're human beings working on human behavior, telling stories for humanity. So how can you not keep the humanity in this, right? <laughs> so that's the biggest thing for me uh, to, hang, to hang my hat on. That's so wonderful to hear that and all these details that went into making the film. So congratulations on everything. And thank you so much, Everett. It's been really wonderful to hear all of this today. So thanks. All right. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.